Hey everyone, Anna's here and welcome to our next interview. I've got an exciting guest today and we're going to be talking about the relational side of money. Welcome Dr. Mary Bell Carlson. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome to have you here. I'm going to do a, a quick introduction and then we're going to get into the actual juicy conversation that you and I have prepared for today. So give me a chance, please. Dr. Mary Bell Carlson is a financial behavioral expert and has worked in both the military and government communities for the last decade. From the bowels of Pentagon to her national audiences, Dr. Carlson has presented numerous financial seminars and worked on a variety of financial planning educational topics. After getting married and having children, she started ChiefFinancialMom.com, a personal finance educational platform to help busy moms make smart financial decisions. Currently, she's, she also works as adjunct professor of faculty to the financial planning programs for both University of Georgia and Texas Tech University. Welcome, Mary. Awesome to have you here. So let's dive into, you and I both are busy working moms, and you're just about to have your baby number three. Three, yeah. Yay. Very soon, so. <laughs> this is so awesome, and I'm glad you actually were able to make it before the baby shows up. So, um, Me too. We all can, well, both of us can relate, and, and all of our uh, listeners and viewers today, especially when you're trying to run, you know, a household, take care of your family, and then at the same time, um, you have a passion and, 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 and interest in the career, especially in the field like where you and I are, come from, uh, where it, you know, when it has to come, when we have to make decisions about money, right, and, and personal finances, um, a lot of these things get rather tricky. And so I know you're on a mission with, with what you're you know, doing um, to help these busy moms um, get on the right path. So I'd love to hear how you got started and what led you to, um, you know, to end up creating this platform and what are your goals um, for it? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to have uh, to be a part of this. I think it's an exciting thing. Um, one of the things I think I'll back up a little bit and start from kind of the beginning. I remember working as a bank teller in high school and really enjoying people, but also enjoying the financial side and seeing that and kind of being a help giver uh, as early as a bank teller. And I went on to college and kind of continued out for my career. And I remember someone asking me, when I was about to go to college, well, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, finance, right? Because that helps people with money. Little did I know it's not finance. That's all about making corporations more wealthy and all the rest. It's really about financial planning. And that to me, when I found financial planning at Texas Tech, I was actually in my master's uh, program by the time I actually found it. And when I found that, it was like coming home. It just made so much sense because to me, it was something I enjoyed. But the main part was the helping people. And I had a mentor there named Dr. Dottie Durbin, who really taught me on the financial counseling side. So we talk a lot about planning. And we, I think sometimes people have the misconception that financial planning is all about wealth management. And you have to have wealth mm -hmm. in order to talk to a financial planner. And that's not the case at all. There, there are so many different facets. I mean, we here in America have so many different levels. There are people with lots of money, some without, some everything in between, but everyone's got a relationship with money. So positive, negative, or something in between. And it, money is a part of our existence because it's our system of trade. 
So back in the days, they used to barter chickens. And now we don't barter chickens anymore. We don't <laughs> trade like that. We trade with money. And so anywhere in the world you go, there's something to be said of that. And I think sometimes we put a lot of stock into what actually is a monetary object, right? There is no feeling in money, but yet our emotion and what we attach to money is where that all comes from. So this professor kind of really guided me along the path and helped me understand that there's so much more. There's financial coaching and counseling and lots of service providers, great financial planners that do all kinds of, of services for, for clients. And I left that thinking, I want to teach the world what I just learned. And I remember going to the Texas State Legislature in Washington, D.C. and knocking on the doors of Capitol Hill. So we're talking senators and representatives and saying, we need to teach financial education to the world. Um, little did I know I was about this big <laughs> in a pool of giant, giant fish. And uh, I ended up working as a lobbyist for the Financial Planning Association for a while and getting the opportunity to really do financial education. And that was with the Department of Treasury when they were first starting a lot of their initiatives. And it really has led me on a path of wanting to educate. I'm an educator at heart. I'm a teacher mm -hmm. at heart. And uh, I went on to the, I worked in some financial planning firms, I got my credentials, but I really missed that education side. So I went to the Pentagon and for a couple of years flew all over the world teaching financial education to service members and their families and some service providers as well. And then long story short, I ended up going back to school to get my PhD so I can continue the education side. Uh, continued somewhat in the government sector. I live right outside of Washington. And so lots of government opportunities out here. And after getting married, I realized I wanted to get out of that corporate day-to-day -day kind of track and thought, I, I'm just going to start my own firm, right? So it took a couple of starts and stops, as any entrepreneur can tell you. Um, but eventually I started to have children and feeling inundated with just life. When you have kids and not so many of you are probably shaking your heads right now saying, yeah. I totally get it. Right. Like staying so busy, but yet having this side of you, I mean, I had spent almost two decades building myself, my credentials and everything with it, but yet also having that pull of really wanting to be home in these early years and with this motherhood opportunity and knowing that that was going to flee. It was really tugging at my heartstrings both ways. And so we made some hard decisions um, as a couple and as a family. And finally, kind of what came out of it is I've, I've gone back to be adjunct. So it gives me a lot of flexibility. I teach online at a couple of universities. And it's really helped me fulfill that, that teacher need. But that, to me, that didn't fulfill what I really wanted to do. And that is there are so many moms kind of being a mom myself and realizing I was being marketed to all of the time, whether it was to buy diapers or baby formula mm -hmm. or clothes or you name it. I feel like moms are just constantly inundated with marketing tactics and, and told buy this, buy this, but there really isn't a lot of great financial education or even help for moms, right? You're just expected to know this. And I think that's true for so many is when did you ever take a class in financial planning or, or learning about personal finance? So few, if you are, you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. So few of us know about it, but yet we're expected to know all these things. And so that's when I thought, 
well, I could probably make a little bit of a difference. And I started my blog just about a year and a half ago. It's an educational only blog. I don't have clients. I don't see clients. We're kind of in, like you mentioned, I'm expecting my third child. So it's a little busy right now. Yeah. Um, but it really helps me get the word out there and help moms in an unbiased way, not selling anything, don't have anything to give other than just information. And I want to empower moms to be able to, first off, make good financial decisions, but most importantly, to not be fearful of money, to not be scared of speaking up, to not be afraid of saying, I don't know, what is that? And giving them a platform to have unbiased information to do research. Because in our field, as you know, Anna, there's so much yes. biases and, and there's something being sold to everyone. So that's really just an opportunity for moms, particularly whether you're a, a mother with young children or you're a busy working professional or you're, even when your children are teenagers or leaving the house. It's just an opportunity for you to be able to get some good information and say, and feel a little bit more empowered, know a little bit more than you did yesterday and speak in a way that we're not talking financial lingo, but we're just talking normal, everyday human terms and getting out of that financial world. That's why I started Chief Financial Mom. I love the name of it. I, I, I really do. I, I think when I found you, I it was like the first thing you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like I, I love the mission of it. And your story, you were telling this, you know, your, your story, I was getting goosebumps because I, I actually um, entered this world very similarly uh, to what you were describing. I had, I, I had a, a degree, you know, my undergrad was in, in, uh, in business administration with concentration in finance, but like, what did I, what, what could I do with finance? I was sort of torn between, um, you know, where to go and either work at the bank or where it just did not feel like, you know, my heart was in there. So I accidentally, Really, I think I do say that quite a bit that I accidentally became a financial planner because I stumbled upon um, a training for the certified financial planner. So it was, I think it was godsend to me, but <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is so amazing. many of us came that way. Just I know. Kind of tripped and, into it. Yep. And it's so true. And I've, I've similarly worked quite a bit in this industry before, before having my son and um, as well, sort of. This, at this kind of juncture he's only my son is only 20 months old so we're still wow. we're still counting months for now <laughs> <laughs> right um so definitely feel you in terms of like oh my gosh there's all these all these things you want to do and and then family time but i i also realized and i know you know our viewers and listeners um on this summit and really this idea of why i actually wanted to pull this together um is to bring the platform right very similar to yours to these to these, to these folks to really get um, empowered and educated just a little bit more um, on, in the, on this topic. Because it's so diverse, it is so crazy difficult for some. And so that's why I have all of these amazing people like yourself. And so, but let's talk about what do you think, I know you don't work with clients, but you still have, you still have interactions and in, you know, in the research you've done and, and, and you know, speaking engagement and all of the stuff that you've you know, been able to accomplish over the last couple of decades, what do you think is holding a lot of us back, women in particular, when, when it comes to being in charge of our finances, leading our finances, just like this whole area? What do you think, is there one or two kind of limiting beliefs that you think we all have that you see across the board? So let me actually start off with the word comparison. 
I think comparison is detrimental, especially with women. And, and I don't care if it's about comparison with money or if it's a comparison of how someone runs their life or their household or what they operate. Um, and and my, my hope is that in this session, that no one looks at you or I and says, oh, I wish I could do it like her, right? Because mm. that's not your track. It's not your life. And that, that is where I think we have to like learn. And this takes many years and decades, though I think we're still on that path, but learn to be okay with where you are. So whether you're a full-time working mom or a stay-at-home mom, or you have a, a degree in English, or you don't have a degree at all, better yourself wherever you're at, but become comfortable in your own skin. And I think that is a key because then that plays absolutely into your money. Then we don't look at, and let me throw this out there, but we don't look at the Kardashians and say, oh, I wish I had their life, right? Oh, yeah. They've got their own troubles. They, we've all got our own struggles. And I think it's very easy to look at it, one another and say, she's got it so put together. Listen to all the amazing things she does. Well, mom, sit down and look at yourself. I think that is such a key imperative is you have something to bring to the table. And I don't care what it is. It, may, it probably isn't finance. Many of you listening today, you've come here to learn something about that. But I think my, my feeling and my strong instinct back to you as a mother is don't compare yourself to someone else. And so with that, I think that's important as we kind of play forward and look into financial. I wish so many more would stop comparing. And this is not just a female only problem, especially men too. get into this comparison. Well, how much money does this one have versus how much mm -hmm. this person has? It's not about that. I think it's really about making the life that you want to live and making it right for you and not comparing it with what everyone else is doing because that really doesn't matter. So part of the money side is not, the question is not how much can I make or how much do I have to have or all the rest. Those are all spreadsheet boring numbers that you have to pull out at some time and say, okay, let's run the actual numbers. That's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is saying, what really matters to you? And what are your priorities in life? Like, what do you, what do you envision for yourself, right? So you may be at home right now with young children. It's not always gonna be that way. Those children grow, they go to college, they move on. And so envisioning for yourself, not just what your personal goals are, but what are your family goals? And how do you continue to uh, incorporate those into your life? Because I guarantee most, most, not all, but most of your goals also have some kind of financial consequence or outcome or constraint maybe associated with it. But before we even talk about the numbers, we really need to talk about what matters to you. What are your priorities and what you see and envision for yourself? Because then you can back into that and we'll eventually get to the numbers, but really it's a mag making the best life for you, whatever that life looks like and however you want to envision it. I love it. You know, one of the first things we actually do in our, um, when we start creating financial plans, or we call them roadmaps for clients, mm -hmm. is, is, is the very, uh, the very uh, thing that you just described is, is figuring out what it is, the very, the, the simple question is, what is it that you want, right? As a, as a family, as a couple, as an individual. So uh, really um, zoning into the goals, like defining them clearly identifying the dollars to go with it. So I love that, that connection. And 
It is hard. It's hard. Let me add a second thing there too, because I think it's important that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves as individuals and say, I think so many moms and women in particular get fearful because of the, the word money or the idea of finance. Like it's just so far out of many of the realms and not everyone, some of them love it. Like you and I love it, but it's not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. But I think that if you can back up and think about your life more in that, rather than the money part or rather than the finances part, the rest of it will come. That's when you get good helpers in. That's when you have good discussions. And I think there's so much to be said about the relationship with money and that how that communication affects you and your spouse or your loved ones or your children and what you're going to be passing down to them. All of that plays in together. I know. I The, one, the, the next sort of layer of um, at least thinking for me, and I know, you know, for the younger moms or new moms, I don't know when, at what point you stop saying that you're a new mom. <laughs> Maybe at the same point you stop counting the months. For <laughs> so anyway, I'm still in that space, or at least in my head, right? Um, <laughs> right. But but eventually, right? You're you're gonna have to think about the next generation, right? And and how do you want to raise them? And when do you even start having conversations? I know Liam has this little piggy bank, piggy bank that you know I've sort of been showing him to put uh, you know little plastic coins in. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just the mechanics right now makes no sense to him, but right. You, you, you sort of get, get that uh, introduction. What have you seen? What have you done? Um, what do you recommend for, you know, how do we start the conversation for them with the next generation and when? Really good question. And I'm glad you brought this up. I think it starts with you kind of self reflecting because not everyone grew up in a household that you just mentioned with a piggy bank and a little kid putting a, a nickel or a dime or whatever into it. Many never talk about money. And some of you may have, money may have even been a taboo in your family conversations. In fact, we've seen studies that have shown that we talk about our sex lives more than we talk about money. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be problematic. I, I don't think that it's something, it's almost like politics has become where you just avoid it at all costs, right? Politics and money and religion. You just don't talk about those things. And I don't think that that's necessarily a healthy habit to pass on. And so I think first off, you kind of have to stop and look at yourself, figure out how you grew up. Did your parents talk about money? Did they teach you about money? Do you know anything about money? Are you comfortable having conversations with money? And as you go and you kind of do that self-reflection, you can talk to your spouse or your partner about a similar type thing and find out uh, what they were like and what it was like growing up for them. I'll share a little bit of my personal story. Um, my husband and I grew up very differently. We're, we're very much both middle class, but I would say he's definitely on the lower end of the spectrum. Even at times, um, he remembers going without food. He remembers sleeping in his car. He remembers like there were definitely significant memories and almost scarring memories, honestly, in his childhood around money. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a very middle, middle-class family. <laughs> I just, I never remember worrying about money. I know my parents didn't have a lot growing up. In fact, it's kind of the running joke in our family that my parents' first Christmas gift to each other was a case of a can of corn and the other one gave the, the case of a can of green beans. <laughs> that was their first Christmas gift. So, so again, not a lot of money there, but, but over time, my dad was very good with money. And I remember he would like balance his checkbook, those giant checkbooks mm -hmm. we used to have. He would balance it down to the very penny. 
Uh, whereas my mother, she could care less. She just thought I keep writing checks until I run out. <laughs> like it was just <laughs> such an opposite. So I learned a lot from just observing that. I have very vivid memories as a child of remembering my father going into the bank and holding this huge checkbook and saying, we're 10 cents off. And I was like, oh my goodness, dad, like that's so embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It's 10 cents, right? But those are some things that I remember for childhood. So what I would encourage, have that conversation with yourself, with your partner, with your spouse, because as you start to have those conversations, in fact, my husband, when we first started dating, I think we were maybe on our second date and being so comfortable with money, I brought it up. I didn't think it was a big taboo to talk mm -hmm. about it. And yet that is something that was very deeply rooted for him. And there's a lot of emotional background that goes with him. I mean, he, even to this day, we've been married almost six years now. And even to this day, he's so accustomed to that mindset of we can't afford, it's not enough. We have to put everything off that we aren't in that same place right now but we have to kind of talk through it because that's his initial instinct mm -hmm. because it's just embedded in who he is. And so we continue as a couple, just this morning, we were talking about another situation and I said, we're just not there. Right. And so it's kind of a learning process. And I think the more you can open up and share those very personal memories with your spouse or your partner or your loved one, you start to learn a lot about yourself. So you're hearing their story. You're hearing maybe why, for example, I can't go to a store and pick everything off the shelf, which I'm accustomed to. And why, when my husband goes, he's very particular and sticks mm -hmm. through a, a list. And there's very much, there's reasons behind that. And it's because it's based in how he grew up and what it was. Now, fast forward, I think that that's a, as you process, and this is not a one-time situation, right? This is a conversation that takes place over many, many hours, years, months, years, that you can continue on throughout your life as you continue learning about your partner. But as you fast forward and think about what, where have I been from? What did I do now? And where do I want to be, right? Like where do I want my children to learn? Because you may have had a very dysfunctional background with money in the past, but that's not necessarily something you wanna pass on to your children. But you have to be aware that it's dysfunctional in order for you to change what that is. And so many never get to that self-reflection spot to be able to make those changes. And so a few things uh, that you can do with your children is have conversations. And I honestly do not believe that there's a magic age. It's not like you wake up one day and say, okay, well, you're eight now. <laughs> now that you're eight, I will start teaching you about money, right? Because it's a part of their lives. I mean, especially with kids now, I have a three and a five-year-old currently. And we do a lot of online schooling. We do a lot of online games. We do a lot of things online just because that's the fit. That's where we're at in the world is there's a lot in the middle of a pandemic. You do a lot online. And so we, you learn certain things through that, like, oh, we don't buy every app that brings up a pop-up, right? Because that costs and you have to have those conversations, even with a three and five-year-old. So one of the things that we did very early on and this will only probably work with people with uh, young, young children. <laughs> um, but that is, we started, I had a bunch of spare change laying around the house that mm -hmm. I was like, what do I do with this? I can't like, I don't know. It, it just seems to be more of a hassle than it was really helping. And uh, so I was going to go turn it into the bank. And then I had this thought of let's start little piggy bank jars. And ours are not fancy. I will tell you, yours probably is much better than ours, but ours is literally 
maybe pickle jars <laughs> that we just turn converted into a piggy bank. <laughs> and it's okay that they love it. They decorated themselves. It's very special to them. And so now every once in a while, and we don't, there's no consistency necessarily with it. We probably could be better at that, but sometimes it's a little reward. Instead of getting treats, which they love as, you know, candy or some other kind of snack, they'll get a penny. Like if you help me pick up, and there's no expectation that they always get that. So I'm very careful that like, just because you do your chores, doesn't mean you're going to get XYZ yet. For mm -hmm. us, that's an important thing to instill is it's just kind of a reward at the end, but they're very motivated by pennies, nickels, dimes, and even quarters. And I know parents of teenagers are probably rolling their eyes right now saying my child would never even work for a dollar. I do not pretend to have that down yet. So. <laughs> But it, I think that the, my point here is whatever you decide to do, and there is no like perfect solution for everyone. I think it really depends on your kids. I think it depends on their temperament, their learning style, what they like, what they dislike. And I, I think it, money you have to be careful with because I don't want to use it as a tool for manipulation. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think it's really cautious of it's not if you do what I say, then I give you your reward and it's a financial reward. Or in order to show my love for you, here's what I'm going to give you. I think you have, and we may not realize that, that we're doing it, but those are the types of things to be very weary of. But you wanna make it a fun process. And I'll kind of finish it with my kids when they have these nickels and quarters and dimes that occasionally add up. We actually go to the dollar store and they get to pick out something that costs them a whole dollar and they literally have to take the pennies. I mean, thank goodness for all the people behind us in line that are very patient <laughs> as we learn. But even my three-year-old, and now she doesn't know, so I kind of have to help her with that, but they think it is the best thing in the world to go buy something from the dollar store. And it's one thing. The other thing I really like about it is the fact that they're having to make choices and decisions very early on, right? They can't walk into that dollar store and start grabbing everything and throwing in the basket, which when mom pays for it, it seems like they, we can afford everything, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, hey, we can't afford this, I don't, I don't say that. I say, hey, mm -hmm. here's what you've got, or here's your opportunity. What do you want to do? And leave the choice in their hands, even for a three-year-old. They can choose what they want, and then they can say, okay, you've chosen two objects, you know, whatever their prize may be, but we only have a dollar. So you're going to have to pick which one would you like more? And it gives them the opportunity to start that process because that's really what money is about. Even as adults, it's about, can I buy this one or can I buy that one? Or can I save for this one or that one or whatever that, it's a trade-off, right? And so if you instill that trade-off skill very young, and don't really make it about money, but making it about learning to kind of trade things off here and there of, I'd rather have this, it, it has more meaning to it for them. And I think that's true as adults, it'll have more meaning for us as we learn those trade-off principles and we work with our children. I think it teaches me a lot as I work with my kids about, huh, I guess I don't need everything. This is meeting my needs and here's where I can kind of go with that. I hope that helps. It does. I love it. I love it, Mary. And one of the things I'm personally working on and more on myself, of course, especially in conversations with Liam, um, is, is, is trying to not say no or like, no, don't do this. Mm -hmm. No, no, this, no, that. So, and I can see how 
um, it's almost like it's this conditioning, right? It's how, our, how we were programmed in a certain way where our brain kind of goes in that mode. And so it is a lot of work for sure. Like there, there's, I'm sure I, I, you guys feel the same way. It's like, okay, how do I say no when I want to say no in a different way? So like these, and what I also like about what you said is when you're making these trade-offs, trade right? You like either choose this or that you're starting to uh, grow this muscle of making decisions. And I think as adults, we know, like, especially if you, you know, if you're running your own business or have, you know, side hustles on site, or even just life decisions, like it gets hard, a lot hard, a lot of times. And we get stuck because we can't make the decision, whether it's a good decision or bad decision, it's just a decision. So I, I really, I really love how you um, put it that it's, it's training all of those different muscles and, and kind of getting your brain away from that no word, uh, which interesting enough, I don't know about your kids, but that's what Liam learned really <laughs> yeah. early. And so a lot of times it was no, he's just like, no, or like, are you saying yes? No, no, like, okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you try to say, oh, you mean yes. Yeah. Well, and I think one more thing to add to that is money is a resource. Let's just be honest. It is a resource and it's a limited resource. The same that gasoline is limited, the same that your energy is limited, your time is limited, money. They all have, even those that are super rich, there's still a limitation. Everyone has a limitation at some point in time. It just, it's various. And so I think as adults, that same concept plays into it. It's what is this resource? Am I using this resource that I have time, energy, money, whatever that may be, am I using it to fulfill my goals, right? It all goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning, and that is my priorities, my life mission. And, and, and money is just an object that gets you there versus the thing that you arrive at. It, it, and I think my thing is I, know, I do not like absolutes. Never, always, never, nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's even with a yes or a no, it's not it's really not a yes or a no. It's either or. And sometimes it's maybe not right now or other situations. And that's true as adults. You know, maybe that house that you really want to get just means it's not this very moment, but it doesn't mean it can't be a later time or something that you set a goal for later on. So I think if we think of money as a resource, then it helps us kind of put it in perspective, just like your time and your energy as a resource and use it for the best of your ability where you're at, because that changes, you know, we all have seasons in life and it changes over time. And so will your money, but, but treat it as that and help your children learn it as that rather than it commands you, you really command the money and you take charge of where it goes and how it does and let your kids do it at a very young age, let them pick and choose and give them choice very early on in life. I love it. I love it. It's definitely all about choices. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you learn, right? You do. If, if we had to close um, with just one or two thoughts on, you know, how, uh, what, it, what, what can these busy moms like you and I um, do in terms of getting on this right path and, and being aligned? Like, I'm, I, I think about all of that we just talked is like really aligning yourself, right? And what you want as an individual with everything else, your family, your children, your business, your career, like what is, what is one takeaway that you want to share? You know, I think it, it, in order to encapsulate everything that I've been saying, one of the things that I want you to know is there's 
again, there are no absolutes. So I, do, even in the world of financial planning, if I were to line 10 financial planners up and say, give me your advice on XYZ situation, most of the time we're going to have at least eight, if not 10 different answers. And I want moms to know this. I want women to know this, to know, I think there's so much fear in I'm going to make a wrong choice, right? That we almost stop ourselves and many times just kind of go like an ostrich with our head in the sand and we don't make a choice. And yet that's still a choice. If you choose to avoid it or choose to not look at it or turn away from it, you're still making a choice. And so what I'm empowering you to do is walk away from right and wrong right? There are better and worse decisions. I think there's a lot of good decisions. I think there's better and there's best decisions. So I think there's a ranking of them and there's some that, yeah, you want to stay away from. But I will tell you as a financial planner, you have a whole toolkit. As financial planners, that's what we're trained in is you've got a whole toolkit of resources. And I, I'm not a big fan of talking heads that say this is right for everyone because my situation is different than your situation that's different than the next door neighbor situation right and so it goes back to that idea of comparison that doesn't help anyone find out what's best for you find out what's best your priorities for you and your family and the best decisions including your financial decisions to get there for you and your family and so I think that's really important is, is getting out of that fear zone that I'm going to make a wrong decision or a bad decision, because sometimes the worst decision is making no decision at all mm -hmm. and just ignoring it completely and pretending that the problem's going to go away because it doesn't. Um, I'll share a quick story with you. My, my brother uh, passed away at the age of 35. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when he died, uh, did not have any life insurance to be able to go on. Now there's a lot of history and reason for that as well. But those are some things that I think that many people say, well, if I had known, right? Or you look back when you're at the end of your life and say, I wish I had known this when I was 20 or 30. And I think my thing to women and mothers in particular is don't wait, don't wait. And I'm not saying rush out and get a life insurance policy by any means, right? <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, is Assess your situation. Where are your needs? Because it changes. Even financially, it changes over the years. And so making sure that you're, you know what those things are. And if you don't get help, that's what good financial planning, good financial counseling and coaching is set up to do, is be an objective third party to be able to help you and assess your situation. And I'll be honest, as financial planners, we even have our own financial planners a lot of times because it helps us as an independent objective third party so not your spouse not your partner not not your mom not your dad right mm -hmm. but to have an objective outlook even though we have our own toolbox and we know a lot of these things we still get help from others because they're able to look at it in a different way and that's the same thing you're not expected to know everything but you are there are so many resources for moms to be able to get the help that they need um, but you're the one that's going to define what that is, right? You're the one that knows your situation best and the outside person is just going to kind of help you put that puzzle piece together. Yeah, totally love it. And so we are going to take it to the next session and you guys, if you haven't upgraded to your all access pass, this is your opportunity because, um, now you have two moms who are both financial planners are going to really get into this, some weeds of what I, we think is really important, what you can actually take away, but you've got to see us um, in the next session. 
And so, Mary, um, how would you like for folks to find you? You can visit my blog. It's chieffinancialmom.com. And uh, come, come and stop by. You can also follow us on Instagram. We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook as well. So whatever your social media channel is, follow us and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you, questions you have and always happy to answer what those things are. Awesome. And we're going to link all of that in the show notes here as well. So not to worry. All right. Thanks so much, Mary, I guess, uh, again, for uh, stopping by and everyone we will see you in the deep dive session. Bye.